Hi there, Golf Fanatics. Andrew Rice here. Welcome once again to our podcast. We really do sincerely appreciate you joining us. And I must say, what a week it has been. The PGA Championship, a tremendous a win for the ages from Phil Mickelson. Adam and I are going to be talking about that. And uh, we certainly are going to share some thoughts pertaining to the golf, the golf course, what our thoughts on the course were. And uh, another important event that really finished for us this week was our inaugural Golf Fanatic School here in Savannah. And so we're going to chat a little bit about those uh, events and share our thoughts. We'd love to see if we can share some nuggets with you to help you ultimately enjoy your game a little bit more. As always, this episode of Golf Fanatics podcast sponsored by Arcos. As you can see, my good friend, longtime friend, Adam Basiljet is joining us today. Adam, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you sharing with us here on the podcast. And uh, Adam, I wanted to get some thoughts from you about uh, that magnificent uh, golf event yesterday, exactly what the game needed. And I think it actually extended beyond golf, exactly what sports needed. It was great to see. What did you think? I agree 100%. There's no... I don't think there's a figure in golf and probably few in sports currently that are more generally popular and well-liked than Phil Mickelson. Uh, I think, as you rightly say, that combines that sense of the underdog. Hard to believe he's an underdog now, but someone, you know, doing something at a stage in their career that just gives everybody hope. So I think across the board, he's the best of fans. I mean, he really is. Nobody better, let's say that. So I just think it was a feel-good story for all of sports, exactly as you say, and maybe even beyond that a little bit. It really was, you know, think about this 72 hours ago, if we just said, yeah, Phil, I, I'm going to pick Phil Mickelson. I think most people would have laughed us off the screen. Yeah. Uh, well, if we he's ranked that. 113th in the world, I think, going into this week. And the U.S. Open, as you probably know, recently granted him a special exemption to play in it in Torrey Pines because he's no longer eligible, which is hard to believe. I mean, he's no longer qualified. So he was yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. He had set yeah. himself up for sectional qualifying right after Nicholas's tournament, and uh, they gave him the exemption. But it just shows where his career was. He won. I mean, he's great. And he makes a lot of money off the course, and he won two senior tour events. But really, pretty difficult to uh, difficult to imagine that. He had. I got a note here. Nicholas, at age fifty-eight, contended strongly in the nineteen ninety-eight Masters at Omira one, I think. Uh, but he yeah. was he was close, two three shots off. Tom Watson, obviously legendary. At that point, Fred Couples led at Augusta after two rounds at age 52. But this is the oldest ever to win a major and uh, pretty, pretty impressive. You know, Adam, it, it, it brings to mind a, a nugget that I try to share with all my students. Uh, and I, I tell them the golf ball doesn't know who you are. It doesn't True. know you're not a tour player. It doesn't know if you're a man or a woman or what your intent is with the golf ball. And it doesn't know that you're an aging Phil Mickelson who hasn't done anything in a long, long time. And it's incredible where, where, where there's a will, there's a way. And Phil really has persisted. He's, he's actually, in the last four years, he's gained club head speed each of the last four years on the PGA Tour. And that is, you know, that tee shot. Uh, I don't know if you remember that tee shot on the par five yesterday. Brooks birdies 15. Yes. And gets down and absolutely stripes one down I mean, there. Three, 
361 and Phil puts it past him. I was shocked. You know, I, I teach a couple of pretty solid college, young college players. And these guys are swinging in the 120s and they can put up that mid to upper 170s ball speed. And when you stand next to somebody and they put up a 178 ball speed, it's like pretty breathtaking as a golf coach or just a, a golfer. You go, whoa, that is something outlandish. That is, you know, something I'm not accustomed to seeing on a regular basis by any means. And looking at Phil, he, that driver had ball speed of 178 on the 16th hole. When you had to have it. And, and it's, 366 yeah. yards, amazing. And that golf course, as you know, you've played it, I haven't, but that golf course is hardly what you call wide open. I mean, it's such a, just watching it on TV, and I've seen it before many times in photos of it, stuff, but it just looks like there's five, six, seven spots there you can make a double bogey with one marginally bad swing, just like that. It, it, it seems to be, that seems to be the case on every hole. You know, I, I, it would, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there were no holes where nobody made a double on during the course of the week. You know, that, oh, it's no, just, no doubts about it. I just think that's so hard on your nerves when you're under that. Sort yeah. of, I mean, it's hard enough anyway. It's the PGA, the rough's long, the course is long, the greens are quick. But when you've got so many, I mean, a golf course like Wingfoot is sensationally difficult, but it's an interior course. If you spray one, you're in the crowd, you can punch it out as woods. This thing's off the golf course, off the holes. I mean, off the playing level, it's a double bogey like that. So amazing yeah. to me to hold his concentration so well. Patrick Harrington finished tied fourth and he's 49. Amazing. Captain of the European Ryder Cup team, the wow. low finishing European player. Who would have thunk that? <laughs> That's right. They played together the first two days, as you know. Patrick gave him a nice greeting after the uh, after the after the round. So pretty impressive. Uh, Will Zalatoris obviously fills the big story, but this kid he finished. I've got a note here: tied eighth, one under par. He looks like he, he's got a lot of motion in that swing. Doesn't look like he has any fear though. He can bang it out there, and you know he looks like he's really someone to contend with. Adam, how about this little stat in the last three majors? That Will Zalatoris, who's currently not a PGA Tour member, by the way. Okay. Um, Will Zalatoris, in the last three majors he's competed in, has lost to a total of 17 golfers. Jeez. In wow. three straight majors, 17 golfers have beat him. Um, that is truly incredible for a young whippersnapper who can't weigh much more than 160 pounds. Yeah. Um, that is incredible. What a great uh, foundation he has built uh, upon which to build what looks like is going to be a long and illustrious career. Um, I, it doesn't I, look like he has much fear for the occasion. He's just game yeah. to play, swings hard. I mean, he just looks like he's got that internal gift to be able to do it under pressure there. Really similar to what Phil's got, isn't that, Adam? Oh, isn't yeah, that absolutely. the case? You know, Phil, uh, gee, I remember uh, I, Phil and I are around the same age. And um, I don't have 178 ball speed yet. <laughs> if I really get, get greased up, I can maybe get to 168, but I don't have 178. But I still recall we played at NCAA at the NCAA championship my second last year. And Phil played at Arizona State. It was um, uh, at the course in Tampa, Innisbrook. Yes. Innisbrook. It wasn't the Copperhead course. It was the other course that we played. And yeah. Phil and his team had a meeting. They were right in contention. 
uh, I believe word got out that they had a team meeting the night before the final round. And, and Phil said, I'm going to go out and shoot 64 tomorrow. If I shoot 64, if you guys can just post right around even par for me, I've figured that I'll win the individual title and we will win the team title. And Phil shot 64, won the individual title, and the team won by one, I believe it was. And in a um, it's hard. I mean, it's the island course probably is what you Yeah, prefer. exactly. The island That's course. That's been harder than the other one, maybe. There was, I just remember the Bermuda Rough was that long, which is really yeah. long for Bermuda Rough. You could lose a golf ball in a heartbeat. Yeah, to me, Phil's hurt is, is, is super, super, super gifted. He's a hard worker, but he's super gifted in two areas, especially physical talent. I would put him with John Daly, Tiger Woods, Fred Couples, uh, or, you know, you name Oni Elms. Yeah. I mean, at the elite sort of yeah. level. In fact, an old friend of mine, Bob Law, you know, Bob worked for David, played on the tour for 16, 17 years. I was talking to Bob uh, some years back, and I was talking about players, and he said, Mickelson, to me, he said, I've played a lot with him in practice rounds and practice next to him. He said, to me, he's the most impressive because and Bob Law's career on tour probably finished in the early mid nineties. So it would have been Phil's later years and Bob was out there, but he said he, his first thing he said, he never, ever, ever mishits the ball. Not ever. And not even slightly. Now he might hit it off the line. It's always middle of the club face and 10 miles and his ability to control face angles and speeds around the grid. It's just, no, he's super, super, super gifted. And his swing has a lot of motion in it. A lot of mm. change of plane and things still hits the middle of the face that far. And the other thing I think he's mentally gifted at, at least for something like high and competitive golf of all those people, is he's just kind of Teflon, high risk tolerance, let it go. Uh, yeah. I cares, obviously, but I mean, it's just so easy to talk about that till you really are under the gun with people staring at you in trouble everywhere. It's just so difficult to be carefree and free wheel. The yeah. shots he tries on when he won that tournament in college, remember he won his first tour event in college? Yeah. He's in a playoff the town, and uh, I mean, un extraordinary number one. But you imagine the pressure with a playoff in your hometown as a college player. He gets on the first playoff hole, as I recall it, has a pretty medium, has a hard little pitch, 15, 12 yards off the green. He, uh, he could have done a few different things because he had some short grass. He fans the face open, takes a full swing, sky kings it right next to the hole for the win. I thought to myself, for that guy to try that shot at that moment, just to try it, is wild, really. I mean, it's... That, that, that truly is a... It uh, just I, tells you that, that there's, there's no kind of gears sticking there under pressure. He lets it go. Yeah. What, what's on the inside? It, it tells you he's most likely not about to become a golf instructor. Like, yeah. you know... <laughs> Yeah, there'd be a significant drop in income and it would be not suited to his personality style, I'll tell you that. When 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 I'm playing with uh, when I'm playing with golf students in a golf school or something like that, and um, you know, invariably we're playing some kind of a scramble and everyone hits a bad one and they go, Okay, pro, it's on you now. I go, Hey, remember why I'm a golf coach. Eh? I'm not that good under pressure. <laughs> Give me a little break here. Uh, your, st your story about that win that Phil had, I believe it was in Tucson, uh, reminds me of a story I heard about Jose Maria in the British Youth Championship yeah. one year. He's got a one-up lead playing the last hole, and his competitor hits it on the green ah, 30 feet away. And he hits it just on the back fringe, and the pin's right in the front on the final hole. 
and he plays a similar shot to the one Phil played. He goes for the big high lob from the back fringe. He's got green between him and the flag and hits it to two feet. And they said, why did you play that shot in that situation? And he said, I just wanted to see if I could hit it under pressure. Wow. And, and, not uh, me. I'd have been putting it. Yeah. <laughs> and probably yeah. not to two feet either. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. But some players just have that ability to yeah. rise to the occasion, to almost... Like Jack, the sense I get with Jack, and I certainly saw this with Phil, is they seem to get calmer as the, as the stakes get bigger. And uh, that's not something... They relish the thing, you know. They sort of relish the moment of it. And, and, yeah. and they, they, yeah. they kind of have a... I mean, obviously, they're uptight a little bit, any human being would, but there's a kind of a, I like, zest for it. They, they, they thrive off it a little bit. They live for it. It's just, it's just difficult to do. I mean, you... you, you difficult yeah yeah if you don't have it good luck doing it you know good you can yeah. try but it's most you will often be fighting nature a little bit when you do yeah. that you just yeah. will yeah. adam you mentioned something you said uh, phil's got a lot of a lot of moving parts in his golf swing which i i would certainly agree with um i do in a roundabout way think that's part of his success if you look at uh, multiple-time major championship winners. There are no golfers on my list that I can think of uh, who have a noticeably short golf swing. However, there are truckloads of golfers that have noticeably longer swings. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really, I, I think that for a long time in golf instruction, the idea was parallel to the ground, and shorter, tighter, neater, compact, precision golf, so to speak. And, you know, firstly, parallel to the ground, let's keep in mind, was created by some golf instructor many years ago because it made some nice tidy lines on, on, on their video screen or TV screen. And so does the golf ball care about parallel to the ground? It has no, no notion as to what parallel to the ground is. Uh, I certainly don't want players, I'm not advocating for players to let go of the club at the top in order to get it long. We need to pivot that club way up there. Um, but I do think that longer swings bring two fantastic benefits. Number one, it typically will allow the player to generate more speed. Right. It's not by accident that long drivers get that club well beyond parallel. They get it a long ways back there. Okay, but number two, and I think this is one where we don't, as an instruction community, have enough data, we don't understand this one enough, is the longer a player goes back, the more time they have to calibrate and organize and position the head and arrange the face on the way down. And um, I really do think that has to have something to do with it. Yeah, probably. I mean, I would think so. And also, if you're going to win a whole stash of majors, you've got to have a lengthy career. It's pretty difficult to do it all in three or four years. So yeah. certainly as you get to be in your mid-30s, early 40s, Vijay Singh, great in his 40s, if you don't have some motion, it's hard at that age to create the kind of speed you might need. So you know, it'd be one thing at possibly at age 26 to have a shorter swing and create the speed, but pretty hard at that age. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm. The rhythm, the flow uh you know are, are pretty darn important things there with that with that thing it's interesting to know Sevy was long Ernie Els had a lot of movement Tom, Tom Watson you know when, when long Tom swinger, was yeah. playing well Tom Watson was 
a lot longer than he is now. And I think, I think that, you know, you look at how much Tom Watson bent and moved his body around in, in the 70s, yeah. you know, the duel in the sun comes to mind. Um, but you look at Tom Watson's recent golf swings and they're quite fabulous. But, you know, here he is as, as uh, a 60-odd-year-old golfer, 60-year-old golfer um, who can move the club quite beautifully. I know that you and I, as 50-something-year-olds, we struggle to get the club all the way up there. And, and one of our big challenges is how do we get more leverage and more size in our golf swing? Right. I know for a lot of people listening in, um, that's a biggie. What, what would your thoughts be about what the everyday golfer can do, Adam, to just increase the size of their swing? Well, I mean, there's a certain amount of stretching and fitness could certainly be relevant to a lot of people, and that could be done away from the golf course. I think you've just got a key on it is one of the things you've got to do, you know, because as you say, you don't want to just get long for long sake and wash your arms down and get out of sync, but just keying on it and gradually adding length and adding length, getting comfortable doing with that. Probably hitting some shots maybe with a, maybe a slightly weighted driver, but certainly less than full speed. So you can really feel your body stretch out. And to me, you've got to let your, for the right-handed golf, you've got to let your rib cage extend and lengthen more. So many people, they just turn and they stay too squatted. And that probably results in some more motion in the lead ankle and lead knee being pulled up and back. And it's just getting used to that much movement uh, and just letting, mm -hmm. letting your body stretch out a little bit. I think that's that's spot on. It's not it's not as if there's some magical little button we can push and this one thought is going to allow it to happen. It's something you've got to chisel away at over time. And, and hey, listen, most people could get if they let their left knee and ankle move a bit and left their ribcage, they could get somewhere up in that area. But we get so ball bound and so thinking of things and so intense on keeping the ball in play and stuff, it tends to shorten us up. So that's why you've got to work on it. I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also know this, that, uh, you know, we've touched on this already, but Phil has worked tremendously hard over the last um, five or six years to gain speed, to get yeah. longer, to stay um, ultimately competitive on the big stage. And he has done apparently quite a fantastic job. I think this year has been an eye opener, certainly for me. And I, for one, am inspired. I know, I'm sure you are, but you look at players like Stuart Sink, uh, Phil Mickelson, certainly, um, and, and what they've done in being able to not only maintain speed, but actually increase speed. Adam, how do you think, how do you think these players have been able to ramp up their speed? You know, Stuart Sink, at the age of 22, coming out of college, um, he's 40 yards longer now than he was then. But no question, equipment has something to do with it. You know, just touching on one quick thing, and then I'll give my, my whatever my thought is on that. I got to do a corporate outing. We did a lot of them with Ledbetter back in the day. So late yeah. in my Ledbetter years, I got called at the last minute to San Diego to do this outing, which is fun. But Gary Player was the show pony. He was the guy doing it. It was a small SAP, I think, outing. Yeah. So it was me and another one, two pros. One of them had dropped out in LPG ago. I got ramped in at the last minute to help out from Ledbetter's team. Of course, got to be around Gary Player for a day and a half. And actually, got to play a couple of holes with him and yeah. watch him. And he, he had this big weighted driver. And of course, at this age, he's this time he's probably late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. And he hit maybe played 30 swings with this to start his day. It wasn't super heavy, but it's a little heavy. He just let the weight pull his body open. He even hit balls of it. And he hit it 
25 yards or something like it, 45 yards. But yeah. he really liked that weighted club, the length of his backswing. Now, I think when you're talking these other guys, though, you know, if, if you're as good as Stewart think and you're trying to add yardage, it's got to be a multi-pronged effect. You can't just be one thing, probably. Yeah. It's got to be working on your swing, working on your fitness, and getting the equipment you're using dialed in. So yeah. I think today, with the advantage of launch, and you don't have to be on tour to have a good fitting from a track man with a ball fitting and club fitting. Uh, today, if you work out with some all the Titleist TPI people, there are people accessible to amateur golfers at reasonable rates to get their driver really well fit and to help them help physically. You don't have to do it 12 hours a day, but if you don't touch a little on each of them, the fitness, the equipment, and the and the technique, you're probably not going to gain that much as you get older. You got to you got to work. For sure, I you know, and, and and that's part of what we strive to provide here at Golf Fanatics is with Mike Carroll working to help everyone get their body moving, get their body stronger. We've got Ian Fraser to give us some ideas right. pertaining to club fitting, and then we've got the four of us sharing insights right. as to what techniques, how can we practice to get longer. The information is there. If you want to get longer, you've got to go out and get it, but. The key, that, and I think the big difference that we have available to us today versus 20 years ago is information. Right. We understand how to train. We understand that it is possible to go from swinging at 80 miles an hour to 90 miles an hour for just about everybody. And just about everybody. I see it all the time on my lesson T. Uh, we, we've seen it this week, certainly with our, our golf fanatic school. We had a speed session that Erica ran. And uh, it was incredible some of the gains that people were able to realize um, just working on speed. The information that we have is so much better nowadays versus what we didn't know 20 years ago. And it's all about, it's about club delivery. It's about the body. It's about moving the body in a certain way. Certainly club fitting plays a role. Um, but if you want to get longer, I'm telling you, Phil is testament to that. Um, I would say this. I am testament to that over the last four months. I've gotten to the point where I can actually like smash a driver out there over 300 yards now. And that is amazing. Um, it, it has really made golf so, so fun. And it's just a case of using the tools that we have available to us. We've got to get in there and do the work though. Absolutely. It's, it's fun to, you know, people sometimes think there's some sort of, you've got hitting it straight, you've got hitting it long and they're just not connected. That isn't true, generally. I mean, I think the people that can hit it for whatever their physical capabilities are farther are proven to also relatively hit it straighter, at least relative to convergence from yeah. target line, because it takes skill to create club head speed. It takes good habits, good motion, good timing. You can't just create club head speed in a vacuum of bad technique. So yeah. they really work together to me. Yeah, yeah. Adam, what, what, what would your answer be if someone had said, hey, I've got a tea time at the ocean course this afternoon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How likely would you be to be able to make it? What, what, what are your thoughts on the golf course? Oh, boy, I'd love to play it. I mean, I certainly would. I know you've played it once. I think it looks like a walker's golf course. You said it'd be more fun to walk than ride because the parts have to stay so far off the play. It yeah. looks to me, don't play it where they played it from. You've got 485-yard par fours, 235-yard par threes. How can anybody shoot six under for 72 holes in 20-mile-an-hour width on that long a golf course? Amazing. Staggering. But I, I'd say play it at a commensurate length for yourself. 
and take maybe a couple extra golf balls out there. I don't foresee anyone under a three handicap on losing three to five balls. Would you? I mean, you played it. For sure. It's, uh, I, I call, you know, I, I walked off the 18th green and I said that that is a two sleeve golf course if ever I've seen one. You know, and, it, yeah. and it might be one of those five ball sleeves, two of those. Right. It's bonus pack five sleeve. ball sleeves um, for the average everyday golfer. I'm, I must say, I loved it as a major championship venue. I think the, the drone shots and the views from up above were so, so cool. The sand and the water and the- I don't want to be near the ocean, absolutely. It really was a stunning location, is a stunning location. Yeah. However, I'm a big fan of golf course architecture and I must say, I do like Pete Dye. Uh, I, I just don't think that for the average everyday golfer, hey, we all want to be able to say, I've checked the ocean course box. I've been out there, I've donated my, you know, however many golf balls and I've had the experience. Um, it just wasn't one that I, that would appeal to me on a even somewhat regular basis. It, it's, I want to feel, and, and I know this from the golfers you and I work with, we all want to feel like we can achieve. We want to feel right. like when we stand on the first tee, it's like, I think I can do this. When I stand on the next tee, maybe I don't, I didn't get it done, but I, oh, I think I can do this one. And looking at some of those holes and having played there myself, um, I look at those holes and I go, I don't think I can do this. Uh, or I need to get lucky to do this. All right, I'd have to pull the right lever, get the right combination to get to tackle this hole. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And the yeah. wind they played it in and everything, it's, it's amazing. Like you say, fun, maybe hard to beat yourself up on. There's becoming, I think, versus 30 years ago, an increasing number of major championship venues that the average person, if they want to spend a few bucks and go out of their way, can play though. I think yeah. in the 60s, 70s, 80s, it was Wingfoot, it was Shinnecock, it was Olympic Club, it was Pebble, you know, Pebble Beach, you could play. But uh, now they've, they've really introduced uh, the one up in Wisconsin, the one in Washington State, Torrey Pines, this one, a lot more that courses, that page, exactly, a lot more courses into the rotation that you can play, which is kind of fun. I mean, because yeah, that's, that's not you can do in any other sport. You can't go to an NFL stadium and play football for fun with your friends. No way. <laughs> true, true that. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is an interesting golf course. It, it certainly is polarizing. Um, in an, in this type of a discussion, I find people either love it or they don't love it. And uh, I think for PGA Tour players, fantastic. It's something they can handle for the most part, and as a major championship venue, you don't have to trick it up a tremendous amount. You might need to make it a little bit longer, um, but it's there and you're gonna have a top class uh, major championship venue. I think for you and I and the golfers we teach, uh, not so exciting, you know. It, nice to go and, go and see it once or twice maybe and then uh, go and play something where you feel like you can get the job done. Well, that Louis Eustace and that's great action, doesn't he? See, look like that looks like a fun way to play golf with his swing. <laughs> it looks easy, doesn't it? Oh, it's just like falling off a log. It's just yeah. Out she goes. It's impressive. He's not a very big guy either, I don't think. Right? Five yeah, ten. He's not a big guy. My size, oh. maybe. That's impressive. Yeah. Adam, I'd also love to get your thoughts. This week, we just finished up our inaugural. Golf Fanatic School here in Savannah, and uh, it was a rousing success. Great, great fun. 
we had 24 golfers. We had yourself, Jeff, Erica, me, and, uh, and a great group of assistants helping us out. We had 24 golfers and eight coaches. And it was a just, just really good fun. Weather was perfect. Uh, thoughts, what, what, what were your thoughts on the event? Hey, the word fun really comes in, not just for them, but for us. We yeah. had 24 nice people now. Terry that sets the whole thing up. This thing ran like it was a, you know, a military precision operation. It was so organized and so well run. As I say, the weather was great, but meeting everyone at the cocktail party the night before, getting to know them. Uh, some of the people we'd run across in our teaching before, I just thought it was so well organized. So everybody had a good time. I had a good time. I really did. And it yeah. seemed like the coaches did. And we all left the best of friends. We enjoyed the golf the last day. Really a fun two days. A fun, fun two days yeah. for anybody yeah. to come. We'd recommend it. It was great. It, it really was fun. And uh, we've got, obviously, in a couple of weeks, we've got Arcadia Bluffs coming up. Yep. I, was, I was looking. Have you been to Arcadia Bluffs? No, I've been to that golf course right in that area, the Crystal Downs. But Okay. Uh, but, so I've been in the area, but I hear Arcadia is phenomenal. You know, huge views of the lake up on the bluffs. It's, yeah. I have Have you? I have not. I was I was actually uh, scanning it on Google Earth last night, and yeah. it looks uh, it looks tremendous. And then uh, that one is sold out as well. And then we've got uh, July 11, 12, 13. We've got Tony up in uh, upstate New York coming up, and I know I've been there. That's a fabulous golf course. That's going to be another fun one. So if you'd love to join us and and come and hang out with us for a couple of days and play some. Great golf course. You would have a great two days. We get to know each other, have some fun. It's a lot of hands-on time. It's really, really a good time. And Turning Stone is supposed to be great. I haven't been there, but big Indian reservation, two, three golf courses, something like that, big practice area. Yeah. And yeah. it's uh, Oregon in August. Is that sold out? Oregon in August, I believe, is is um, is going to be sold out very quickly. It seems like we've got a big wait list for that. Um, okay. and so pronghorn and bend oregon coming up in august so we've got a nice lineup we're looking to uh to get going already for 2022 and uh, we're going to add a couple of nice venues and great yeah, really have some good fun with it's one-stop shopping i tell you you sign up you're organized from front to back room cocktail party tea times beautiful gift bag great stuff prizes during the event really fun yeah 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 uh adam thank you for joining us Really appreciate you you're taking time out of your day and uh, keep up the good work pods. I love, I, I really do, you know, and we banter a little bit during the golf school, but uh, I love what people, members of Golf Fanatics are experiencing. I hope they're enjoying it. By all accounts, all the reports, the feedback that I'm hearing are that people enjoy it. I really feel like we've got a fabulous product and uh, we just need to get the word out. And as many people... You know, we would love to have people join in. It is free. You do not have to pay anything. And uh, you get to experience some great instruction and some good banter. Good stuff. Thanks, Adam. Have a great week. Cheers. Thanks, Andrew. Hey, I'm going to go. I'm going to go out with a double fill. Thumbs up. (laughs) Have a good one. See ya. Bye.